Hi, this is Jeff Rugg, author of A Greener View. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. One day the guy on the buffalo was cruising around through the plains, seen a bear. And he thought to himself, oh man, I gotta get away from the bear. Hope he don't chase, oh no, he's gonna chase me. Oh no, I better just turn around and chase him back. Cause guess what? I'm on a buffalo. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This week's show is brought to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with Better Light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are on location live at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie, uh, just outside of Joliet near Wilmington, Illinois. And in the sunshine. In the sunshine. We have a lot of guests. Uh, Veronica Hinkey, who's a public affairs officer and public service team leader, and she has been just wonderful in setting all of this up and getting all these guests lined up for us and thank you veronica so much thank you both mike and peggy for being here well we talked about this two years ago Mm -hmm. you came uh we came down here and we didn't do anything live then but we said you know what we've got to be back here and we've got to do a radio show from the prairie and here we are here we are and it's and it's awesome and we're we're very happy to to be doing this. And then you stepped in and said, "Well, I can get you a few guests." And then she gave me a list of about 150, <laughs> and and I said, "Let's let's narrow it down to 125. How's that? And uh, and and we'll make it work." Veronica, tell me real quickly before we get to Wade, who's sitting next to you. What is it you do here? Well, our team works really closely with the the volunteers that are here, and Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that that we're focused on year-round is. The programs and events. This is our programs and events guide that I'm holding up right now, and it's available online. 
Um, can, can they see that? On, are we on Facebook Live, by the yes, way? Yes, we are. Uh, I want to say hi to Randall. Oh, you've got – see, I can't even connect to the Internet. Peggy's got it on her computer, uh, so we're it's cool. It's a plot. I know it. It's it's it, you're all working against me. I know. I'm not paranoid. I just know the world is out to get me. Uh, so continue, Veronica. So here's a look at the full at a glance, one page mm-hmm. in the back, just to give you an idea of how active it is here. Yeah, and, and, and folks, in addition to these regularly scheduled uh, annual events that we have in programs, we also have large special events like National Bison Day. Mm-hmm. We'll have an open house here from 10 to 2. Staff and volunteers will be on hand to meet with people as they come out to look for the bison herd. Cool. And that's one of the things why we played the man, on the guy on the buffalo at the beginning of the show, which is a goofy song that I found on the inner tubes. I said, we have to play that. So uh, we've got 60 seconds. Wait, I'm going to introduce you. And then when we come back, you're going to talk a little more. And then we're going to bring in a whole bunch of other guests that are that are standing out here. So, Wade. Uh, you are the uh, uh, prairie supervisor here at Medewin National Tall Grass Prairie. What does that mean? Well, Mike and Peggy, uh, glad you're back out here to this wonderful day. Um, what that means is I oversee uh, Medewin National Tall Grass Prairie. I have the uh, dubious honor to be the one that uh, gets to uh, enjoy uh, and restore and make the prairie available to the public. Ah, that's a fantastic way of putting it. All right, we're going to take a little break right now. We hope you're all watching on Facebook Live or listening at MikeNovak.net. Uh, more from Odewa National Tallgrass Prairie. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are live in the sun. There's not a cloud in the sky. There's the moon behind us and a jet plane overhead and some banners behind us. Oh, let's get, I can give it to you. There, there. we go. Now at, I got the mic. At Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie just outside of Will, Wilmington, Illinois, just outside of Joliet, where we stayed last night. I want to thank the lovely people of Joliet for their hospitality. Uh, they had a Starbucks for us today. They did. <laughs> And Where's our dinger? We missed the dingers. Oh, the dingers are uh, in the back of the car. Kathleen, pop, go find we need the, the dingers. The box with the dingers are in there. We need we need the dingers <laughs> here. Let's continue our conversation uh, with Wade Spang. And Wade, I have to tell you, we were talking about it uh, last night, and I mentioned it this morning. You have one of the best names ever for a naturalist, and and but we're thinking it's not the you're not it's your alter ego, it's your uh, secret identity, Wade Spang. Uh, <laughs> Mild-mannered Wade Spang, who is prairie guy in disguise. So <laughs> That's I, your new superhero I just, avatar. I, just, <laughs> I, I'm, I don't suppose anybody's ever accosted you with that information before, have they? No, oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's my fault. I, let's turn the mics up. There you go, sir. I said no, but it sounds really nice when you say it. Yeah, well, then keep it in mind. You may borrow it. You don't even have to pay me royalties. Uh, let's talk very briefly because we want to get our other guests on the show. You, you're the uh, prairie supervisor, so that means that in addition to the bison, and we know there are bison here, we're going to talk about that, it's everything that goes with it. So I imagine it's it's bunkers, it's native plants, it's it's everything connected with birds. the day when birds. Yes, fauna, flora, 
Yes, it is. It's uh, not only the natural vegetation and animals and migratory birds that are here, uh, but also the fact is that in 1996, we acquired this land from the Army, and that's why you see the igloos or the bunkers mm -hmm. and all the infrastructure uh, associated with that. And our, our charter is, one of our charters is to restore the prairie for wildlife species, plants, and animals. Another one is for recreation. Folks can come out here and enjoy and walk, especially on a beautiful day like this. Uh -huh. And a third one is education and agriculture. And so uh, we are uh, excited to be able to provide all that to the public. All right, stop for a second there. Education I get. Agriculture, I know this used to, a lot of it, you know, in addition to being arsenal, uh, used to be farmland. In fact, when I first came here about 15 years ago, there were a lot of farms here, and you guys were just starting to put in uh, the prairie. That was only like, you know, six, seven years into the mission. Is there still farming going on here? Yes, we have a lot of crop production here and also grazing. Mm -hmm. And it's very important in part of the restoration because the crop production helps prepare the soil for us to plant so that the prairie plants can come back in and build the habitat for the birds. And I, like you said, there's 19,000 acres. And I don't think, I, th I read someplace that that's 30 square miles. Is that, yeah, is that yeah. correct? Wow. About that, yes. Yeah, so it's a, it's a size, the project is of a size that has almost never been seen before. Isn't that true? Yes, it's it's quite large, and qu the major thing about that, it's a continuous acres. It's all together, where a lot of other areas are fragmented, separated apart, something else in between, but we're continuous, and it's very important for habitats of all types. Yeah, yeah, because we talk about corridors and how, oh, if we could only have, you know, a, a street that'll connect a, a, a green right. area to another green area, and you think, wow, that's just sad yeah. if that's the yeah. best you can do, but here... It's all one contiguous area. Correct. And uh, so we use the word, it's not fragmented. And so uh, that's way the birds and everybody else, in the sense of people who can, can wander around, enjoy the prairie, uh, and enjoy the, the ecosystems that are out here. And then the grazing is uh, used for bird habitat as well. They graze the grasses down to a short, medium, a tall stature mm -hmm. grass. I'm going to let you hit the mic off in a second, but is there anything else you want to add before you go? Uh, thank you for allowing and coming out here to do this here at my day one, and so you'll um, enjoy. You know, I'm already enjoying the discussion. Thanks, Wade. Thank you. That's the way it works. <laughs> when one leaves, another one slides in. We have two hours here to a lot of information out. And uh, anybody being bitten by mosquitoes yet? Nope. Uh, nope. All right, the three guys on our right. Um, and no particular order are Trevor Edmondson, who is the Midwin Project Manager for the Wetlands Initiative. Mike Redmer the, uh, is a fish and wildlife biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And Patrick Williams, who's uh, been on our show before, the Manager of Communications for Open Lands. And actually, Patrick, I'm going to start with you because I'm going to the beginning of Midwin National Tallgrass Prairie. Um, we mentioned it's unique. Yeah, so um, Medeon was his arsenal, owned by the U.S. Army. Uh, back in the 80s, Open Lands Board of Directors recognized potential for both this place and the former Lake County um, as places that were eventually going to be decommissioned by the federal government and transferred either to private development or we were really a unique 
uh, conversion to open space. And so we acted, we brought together a coalition of, I think it was 23 or 26 partners um, that advocated for this. In 1996, President Clinton formally signed the legislation and it established Medeowin as the largest open space in the Chicago region. Do we have him on camera there? Do we want him to slide over just a little? Yeah. We want to, the folks want to see you there. Well, there's a long lag, too. Yeah, yeah there's a bit of a lag, but he'll he'll get in there. And uh, apparently, for those who are having audio problems, we're better again, so yay. Uh, okay. It ha you know, we're out in the prairie. We're in the prairie, folks. We're, out, we're in the prairie. <laughs> so if something drops out for a little bit, uh, please bear with us because we think it's going to be worthwhile. Uh, one of the things I want to say to you, Patrick, uh, is that – it had to take a lot of guts, a lot of inspiration to figure out that you could take this land and then turn it back into prairie. And you guys, once he answers, are welcome to weigh in on that as well. Uh, there were, what, 23 partners involved in that, as far as I know. How, do, how, does, how does that happen? How do you – is it just continual lobbying? Is it just pressure and saying, you got to get this done, this is our last opportunity? Because this was unlike anything anybody had ever seen before. Yeah, Medellin was the first national tall grass prairie in the country. It really, it took a vision. It took, you know, a group of people who could look back at where our region was in the 50s and the 60s and think about where it was going to be at the turn of the century and say, here's where we want to go. We want a resource like this. We want a utility like this. Um, and luckily, there were enough like-minded people in Illinois that agreed, and there mm -hmm. were, you know, we were able to find strong public support for it. And luckily, we had some supporters at the time in the federal government who were willing to bring the idea across the finish line. All right, we're going to get back to you, Patrick, because we know Open Lands has some stuff coming up, including the last day of a native plant sale today, which is correct, uh, I believe. And then you, we also have the Open Lands luncheon. But let's talk to the other guys. Let's go to uh, Trevor Edmondson, Mid Medewin project manager for the Wetlands Institute. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. All right, tell me how the Wetlands Initiative is working with Medewin. Well, currently we're doing we're restoring about 1,800 acres. We're on the seven-year plan. Uh, we're in about year three of that. Uh, so we've been here since the early 2000s um, doing uh, basically adopting sections of Medewin and, and restoring them. Um, but this is the biggest uh, restoration that we've done mm -hmm. thus far, and it's a partnership with the uh, U.S. Forest Service and the National Forest Foundation, as long as funders like the uh, Grand Vic, um, Victoria Foundation and the Donnelly Foundation. Um, and, so, and, and, and let me just stop you there because... Yeah. There are a lot of partners here. Yes. By the way, awesome glasses there, Patrick. Really <laughs> appreciate it. Very cool. Um, there are a ton of partners, and I know Veronica said we got to mention our partners, yeah. and and I understand that. That's you know, first off, it's like thank making all mm -hmm. of this around us happen and and so uh when you mention the partners you know feel free anytime yeah. you know money people and, and service people and yeah, it's vital okay uh you know if i walk out on any given morning at 6 a.m what am i going to do uh well if you walk into a restoration you should be able to feel like you're walking um through a, a variety of stages natural habitat might, might used to look like uh, restorations will never quite be the remnant uh, quality that uh, used to Patrick. Yeah, one of the best testimonials Open Lens has ever heard um, about a restoration project is the sense of safety. It brings people have opened up this woodland. I can run through these woods again. I don't feel like I'm you it's here. It's yeah. bright. It's well lit. It's not so wired. Restoration, They're yeah, not going to see. It's not just for nature. I a question on Facebook. Um, was this area ever under plow? Is a lot of it was, um, and actually some of it, the restoration is, uh, we have six 
acres currently that are going to be planted this fall that are in soybeans right now. So we're working with local farmers uh, and across our particular project in soybeans um, that's going to be planted this fall. So we're still doing agriculture as part of the restoration. And I saw you have new interpretive signs right at the trailhead. Uh, and you look out over a field. You explain how you made that transition. That gradually, that you, you, you know, the you keep it in agriculture, but you kind of change it over the course of a few years. How does that happen? Well, basically, the agriculture allows us to kind of do management. Um, it, it seems counter, you know, intuitive there, but uh, by the farmers harvesting, it keeps a lot of the weeds out. Right. So it allows yeah. us to <laughs> they're doing kinda, your dirty work. Kind of. Yeah. So we can focus on a little more the rougher terrain areas, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. OK, well, I noticed that uh, Mike Redmer is is nodding uh, and smiling. And Mike is uh, a fish and wildlife biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And let me let you know that we're going to break in about three minutes here, but uh, we're going to continue this conversation into the next segment. Uh, Mike, tell me, uh, how is the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service involved with Midday Wind? Um, so the Fish and Wildlife Service is the, the the federal agency that's concerned with species that are of interest to the federal government, things Congress has said mm -hmm. are important to the, the federal government. So um, one of the big ones there is migratory birds. And Medewin, from its inception, has had a big role in trying to restore habitat for migratory birds, in particular grassland birds and wetland birds. So we've been kind of plugged into that effort from the beginning and um, helping with the monitoring every year and then also just providing technical assistance and um, working directly with the Forest Service to achieve that goal. We hope you're all watching on Facebook Live or listening at MikeNovak.net. Uh, more from Odewa National Tallgrass Prairie. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We know what's going on. I know we're getting a little break up here. Hope that it fixes. Uh, well, you know, it's a, this is a difficulty here. We're doing it off of cell phones and off of computers here in the middle of the prairie. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, that reference, that music, if you need to know, of course, was Buffalo Springfield. Thank you. So we, we've got a, a few of those. great music selection this morning. Thank you. Yeah, and we're at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie in Wilmington, Illinois. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki sitting out in the middle of the prairie on a beautiful sunny day. And we've got bagels and we've got fruit and we've got juice and, and people, donuts. And people at the end of the trail going, what? What bike, the heck is going on People showing up on here? bikes. Yeah, so... Uh, and that's Special and that's guest. that's part of the deal here too. People can ride around on their bikes and and come in and. There's a I, lot of trails here we'll be talking about. There's a couple questions on Facebook and there's a lot of trails coming through Medellin. Okay, and uh, sitting next to us are uh, Patrick Williams, the manager of communications for Open Lands, Mike Redmer, fish and wildlife biologist at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and. Trevor Edmondson, Medewin project manager for the Wetlands Initiative. All right, I saw something about um, this being kind of, I don't know how you would describe it, is a holding place for people battling Asian carp. Is that one of the things going on here as well? Well, we, uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service has staff here um, that are involved in the, the Asian carp monitoring on the Illinois waterway. Um, so, yeah, Medewin's a, a 
federal facility and they've been kind enough to provide space for other fish and wildlife service staff that are that are mm-hmm. housed here so uh we were talking about restoration of of wetlands do you find that when you restore a wetland that the species uh come back as well do you have to encourage that or is this something that uh, nature is waiting for and then jumps in uh, with both feet yeah i would see there's a lot of uh seed that uh is just laying kind of waiting mm-hmm. uh, for that that hydrology to to restore mm-hmm. itself of course we do add a lot of seed and a lot of plugs to enhance that and speed up that process but yeah once we disable the tile lines and that's what of, i was going to say yeah. is that you have the hard work you've yeah. got all this the drainage tile that yeah. farmers set up over M- miles and miles miles and miles is how hard is it to find that stuff uh well usually old maps uh and they do they do uh discovery trenches kind of and they mm-hmm. they dig back uh, to where they think they should be and then they follow them along with some heavy equipment and and disable them that way wow so uh uh that's an an ongoing process yeah. and have you found anything just totally unexpected as you're doing restoration uh not 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 really uh there there is a lot of archaeological sites out mm-hmm. here we saw a mammoth yeah. mammoth yeah. tooth in the uh, visitor center there and, yeah. and you're now doing drone surveys uh with, they are yeah, yeah. I, on the, not, well yeah. not you personally but right. yeah on the archaeological digs that are going yep. on out here yep which is really cool so you had a couple of things there were people were asking questions on on facebook uh one of the questions was about trails but i think we'll be getting to trails in a later segment okay okay so what is it that uh, uh, as uh, as biologists and uh, managers that you would like to stress for people who uh, who come out this way that they're not going to see that knowing that stuff's going on behind the scenes what is it that that you would like to tell them about? Uh, for for me, I mean it's just it's the scale um, and the undertaking that we're mm-hmm. we're doing here. There's a lot of sites, a lot of prairies um, in in the Chicago region, but the scale here at Medeon is unprecedented. Um, so to kind of be able to kind of get lost in that uh, eventually, mm-hmm. you know, without a lot of, uh, you know, outside forces that you're walking through the middle of the prairie. Um, there's a lot of, uh, as Mike was saying, there's a lot of birds and things that only mm-hmm. use Medewin yeah. or, or only, you know, high numbers here. So you're going to see a lot of unique species if you come to Medewin. Well, and I would uh, address Mike uh, with that question is uh, speaking of unique species, coming back that wasn't here before I mean you must be seeing advances year by year sometimes month by month I would imagine yeah so um, I they talked to some of the Forest Service staff just to get caught up on what's going on we, um, we've helped with monitoring but I don't always have the numbers handy but um, one of the big um, one of the big successes is a little bird called the Henslow Sparrow mm-hmm. which was um, a, a listed as a state threatened species um, until a few years back but um, because of the restoration here at Medewin where we're getting back to taller grasses and then um, elsewhere in Illinois where those practices are getting more common, Henslow sparrows have, have responded just tremendously. And so that the species, that little brown bird that not a lot of people would recognize, but they're, they're doing a lot better just because of Medewin and similar projects. It's one of the Chicago wilderness birds. Right, right, exactly, the Henslow sparrow. In the project. Where do the bison fit in? To all of this, I mean, they're 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 a mega fauna, charismatic megafauna as we call them. Uh, how do they impact 
uh, the other species around here? Well, so I, I think, uh, as Wade said earlier, we're still kind of see, you know looking at how that's affecting things. But mm -hmm. the um, the whole approach to the bison coming back to Medewin was an experiment to see. You know, obviously, it's a, a very large animal that has the ability to change the landscape and change the structure of the grasslands. So. Um, that should also change the, the grasslands to benefit different kinds of birds. So the experiment is 20 years long to see how those birds respond to the bison. Uh, let's go back to uh, Patrick there. Um, we, we mentioned open lands being uh, uh, a big part of, uh, of what's going on here. Um, is there anything uh, that, before we get to the other projects going on, what's uh, open lands doing with Medewin uh, currently? Well, we're finishing up a restoration project as well over on the west side of Medeowin. Um, Openlands was contracted by the city of Chicago to manage the O'Hare Modernization Mitigation Program. Mm -hmm. So earlier in the 2000s, um, the city expanded O'Hare Airport. Some wetland habitat was lost, and the FAA has some of the strongest mitigation standards in the federal government. Mm -hmm. So they reached out to Openlands, who had some experience with wetlands restoration. We restored five sites in the um, Des Plaines River Valley, this being the furthest south of them. Um, so we're wrapping up that. Hopefully it'll be open to the public soon. It's a phenomenal project. Um, and then other than that, Openlands is just encouraging people to get out here as much as possible. Medeowin is a treasure in our region. It's one of the best examples of the landscapes that used to dot Illinois. It's uh, The more people who can get here, the more it'll be appreciated. Uh, can I ask you guys kind of a weird question as, as biologists? Do you, do you like the interaction of people and nature or are you a little protective of the work you're doing I know I I don't want to put you on the spot but uh, I I know that when I, I had a home out in the Pacific Northwest a vacation home for a long time it was in uh, the rainforest out there my favorite time to go out was always January because there was nobody else around and even though it was the middle of winter and it was raining like crazy I always enjoyed the solitude um, mm -hmm. So that's that's why I ask. I mean, this is for people. This is why we're putting this together. But I imagine there's there there has to be a balance that you guys strike. Yeah, I think it's critical, um, you know, to incorporate as people. I mean, without without uh, people, you know, seeing and understanding, they're not going to want to protect it, of course. Right. So, uh, you know, in, in raising funds and things like that. Um, but you know, there are certain species that you probably want to limit. You know. Mm -hmm exposure to but um without people actually going out and enjoying well it. for one thing you can't yeah. have them petting buffalo you know right and, right and bison right. And, you know they've got to keep at a distance and i would say you know uh, all of us probably know how important science communication has mm -hmm. you know, has grown significantly recently with all the social media stuff so um you know we're connecting with people in a lot of yeah. new ways what, what types of interpretive programs are you doing out here well Medewin does a lot of, uh, they do car field trips where they take people, you know, that can just drive out into the prairie. Mm -hmm. um, there's geology tours. Um, there's, uh, there's a whole volunteer yeah, program. The, the auto tours. Yep. Yeah. We do have a question on Facebook. Uh, somebody asked, can Medewin be replicated anywhere else in Illinois? Is right. there anything happening toward that? I would expand it. Can it be replicated anywhere in the country? Maybe even in the world. Well, there are there are s projects of scale uh, mm -hmm. elsewhere. Uh, Glacial Ridge in Minnesota is is fairly large, uh, com you know, actually a little bit larger than Medewin, mm -hmm. but it's a different type of, uh, you know, this is the the old arsenal, whereas up there I think it was more uh, a large farm. But uh, there are large scale restorations going on mm -hmm. in Illinois, but not necessarily this this size. In uh, uh, yeah, along that line, there, I don't suppose you find any ordinance here anymore, do you? I don't. 
<laughs> Patrick, you were leaning in like yeah. Um, Mike might be able to answer it more. I know Rocky Mountain Arsenal National or um, National Wildlife Refuge out in Denver is sort of this sister of Medeo and speaking from the other side of the prairie. Mm -hmm. um, it was established in or in the 90s as well. It was a transfer from the Army over to Fish and Wildlife, and also has an active bison restoration project there too. So I don't know, Mike. I don't want to put you on the spot and say yeah. speak for all Fish and Wildlife. I, I guess in, in in real general terms. I guess what the way that I try to to sum it up is as long as the ground is still soft and not completely developed and turned to concrete, <laughs> there's still potential to restore it somehow. Well, even so. concrete. I mean, we got concrete yeah. and steel here, you know, in these bunkers. And, uh, you know, as I tell people, and I don't want to be boring, and then we'll get to you in a second, Patrick, I always see the past, the present, and the future here when I come out to Medewin all at the same time. And it's awe-inspiring. It absolutely is. I mean... In, in the literal sense of the term, awe-inspiring, when you see the facilities where, the war facilities, where we used to make bombs and store TNT here, um, but also inspiring in the way that uh, the people who, have, who started this project will never see it come to fruition. It will be decades and decades. They will be long dead before you get to the point where this prairie is restored. Um, and that's inspiring, too, because people are willing to put in that time, and know that they're only part of the cog, they're one cog in this, and, and one step along the way. And and I, I assume you guys have a sense of that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's requires you to think on a long-term time scale. I mean, it is part of that idea of it's not just where do I want to go hiking this weekend, it's where do I want my grandchildren to go hiking at the end of the century? Mm -hmm. Where do we... Yeah what do we want this region to look like? We know climate change is happening. We know it's going to impact this region. So how are we going to make it resilient? How do we want to plan for that? How are we going to accommodate nature while growing our region? I mean, there's so many questions and it takes partnerships like this with 25 partners to come up with those plans, to come up with those visions, to get input from the communities that live here. That's All right. Like While we've got you, give us a plug for a couple of, you've got the plant sale that's finishing up. Where's sure. that today? Yeah. So um, Open Lands is continuing the work of Conserve Lake County up in, um, in the Lake County area. Yep. Um, today's the final day for our online native tree and shrub sale. So if you're inspired by our talk of restoration today, you can go out and purchase. We've got a selection those? of 40 species available of native trees and shrubs um, with some special items on sale that are replacements for buckthorn if you're looking to get rid of that on your property. Hang on one second. We'll finish that in a second. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be back from a Dayland National Tallgrass Prairie. Amy, what you want to do? Okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Okay, what's the connection with that? Uh, Pure Prairie League. Pure, Pure Prairie League. All right. I, th I didn't know you guys could hear it over there. They don't even have headsets. Uh, we're out on the prairie, and a black swallowtail just yep. came fluttering by. It practically landed right on the table here. Um, and uh, before we go, I wanted to uh, thank a couple of the guests that we had here, uh, Trevor Edmondson, uh, Medewin Project Manager for the Wetlands Initiative, Mike Redmer, Fish and Wildlife Biologist for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and Patrick Williams, Manager of Communications for Open Lands. The Open Lands Luncheon is coming up. I'm going yes, to be there. October 18th. Get your tickets, openlands.org. You, uh, you know, and one of the great things about the luncheon, and you can, yeah, openlands.org. Mm -hmm. Just go there, look at it. Um, 
If you want to hobnob with environmentalists, it's uh, the place to be. Oh my goodness! Usually about nine hundred or a thousand um, uh, movers and shakers in the environmental world are in the room, uh, and, and it's amazing. And usually a great talk. And it's a great yeah, Dr. Lunch. Ingrid Indyberg is the yep. uh, Indyberg is the dean of the Yale F School of Forestry. It's one of the best climate research institutions in the country. She's coming. We're expecting a great speech from her, laying out what our world is up against. All right, oh, gentlemen, thank you all thank so you. much for coming in here and, and taking the time to be with us. We really appreciate it. Let's bring in our next guest who is waiting in the wings. When they slide out of there, you just slide in. And of course, you're you're welcome to comment. Uh, we're, we're probably not going to take phone calls today. Oh, we might try. We'll, we'll have Rick DeMaio on uh, later on. Uh, but Randall, if you get a phone call, that's great. Um, and I don't remember the number because I don't have it right in front of me. Do you, Peggy? Have you got that in front of you? 877-711-5611. There we go. Uh, if you want to call in. But of course, we're taking comments on Facebook and on Twitter. I don't know if you have even... Anybody. No, I don't have Twitter. Uh, but Ellie has it going uh, back at the station. Yeah, so Ellie Ellie will handle that. She'll, she'll text me if we have a tweet. Because uh, we even have social media out on the prairie. Go figure. Uh, sitting next to us. All right, Lynn, pronounce your last. Oh, grab that mic. All right. Am I on? Yes, you are. Um, how do you pronounce your last it's name? It's Kercheski. Kercheski. Yes. Which is the way you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. I'm not so ding. sure, right? I don't know. No, you know. It's been pronounced so many different ways. So. With, with, with Lynn K. Lynn K is good. Yeah, with the Polish names, <laughs> right. uh, you never know. You know, I say Novak, and everybody looks at me like, what? <laughs> For sure, right. What's your problem there? Who? Lynn uh, Kercheski is the Director of Visitor Services for the Forest Preserve District of Will County. And, mm -hmm. of course, Medewa National Tall Grass Prairie is in Will County. Yes, it is. You guys are lucky. Yes, we the, are. Yep. That you have this down here. This is quite the place. Yep. So how does the, the county interact with Midday when obviously you got a couple of different jurisdictions? You got the uh, the U.S. Forest Service, which runs Medewin, but you've got the county. How do you guys work together? Well, um, we're fortunate enough to, like you said, be so close to mm -hmm. Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie. Our district headquarters, Sugar Creek Administration Center, is literally eight miles away from here. And we have the Waponsee Glacial Trail, which connects our two sites. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, like I said, only eight miles from Medewin. And the trail is 23 miles. It stretches all the way from Joliet to Kankakee. And uh, this is pretty much in the middle of the site. So we like to partner together on different um, promotional activities. We've got the National Bison Day event that's coming up in mm -hmm. a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know what? I just remembered, and Veronica, see, Veronica was going to yell at us and say, "You didn't remember the National Bison right. Day?" It's coming event. up. It's coming in, up. In fact. Uh, who's got information on that that they would like to, to like do uh, well you Veronica approached us a couple weeks ago um, and we were really excited that she offered the Forest Preser Preserve District to partner with Medea Wynn on the National Bison event uh, the event is on Saturday November 3rd and um, we are partnering with Medeowin and a few other organizations to present a bison crawl on that day. And the goal of the program is to kind of get folks to visit all these different sites, Medeowin being one and our Sugar Creek Administration Center being in. Um, I can speak to the specifics for our event. Our event that day is from 10 until 2. Um, folks that come out to the event are invited to enjoy half-hour prairie tours. Um, we're offering those tours on the half-hour, so 10.30, 11.30, 12.30, and 
Um, on those tours, you'll learn about our restoration efforts of the prairie. Um, I heard you talking quite a bit with the other folks about restoration. Um, our prairie is a 68-acre prairie that primarily 10 years ago was all ag fields. Mm -hmm. And just in these 10 short uh, years, we've been able to transform it into a pretty amazing prairie. And so, how far is that from here? Uh, just eight miles up the road on Laraway. Okay. Um, so uh, you'll learn about the prairie restoration efforts, um, and also we'll talk about the importance that the bison play in overall prairie ecosystems and managing prairie health. All right. Well, let's let's turn it. Uh, Veronica has has gotten back into the seat here because you need to tell us about National Bison Day. Right. We are really looking forward to partnering with the Forest Preserve District of Will County and the the why and all that. I know I mentioned earlier when we first got started, but for those just joining from 10 to 2, volunteers and staff will be here at Monday with the Iron Bridge Trail. Which is where we walked in it's this morning and in. then uh, got over here. Yeah, we're about a mile from there, half mile mm -hmm. from... I'd say a half mile. Half it seems mile. about right to me. The Iron Bridge Trail is on the east side of 53. Highway 53 is Old Historic Route 66. Mm -hmm. And it's located about a mile and a half to two miles north of Wilmington. And there will be learning stations at the libraries in Wilmington and also Elwood, Manhattan. Um, the why in all of this is because in 2016, the bison became our national mammal. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. yeah. That gets a dual ding. A thumb, so, thumbs up for the national <laughs> mammal. So we really want to raise awareness of bison and why they're here at Medewin. Uh -huh. They're a 20-year experiment in conservation. We're monitoring to see if the grazing pattern of the herd, which creates more varied grass lengths, is helping. What's that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. There's some horses coming. Well, we're, we're horses. Will County Trail Riders, and they come out here quite a bit. Uh, and, um, and, and so we're coming up on the news though. Yeah, we'll come up on the, well, <laughs> yep. it looks like we'll be talking to yep. them, uh, after the news. Uh, uh so, uh, cool. tra trail riders, I told you there might be some, some surprises yeah. here. Someone asked about trails on Facebook and we are non-motorized, but trails are open to pedestrians yeah. and to horseback riders, bike riders, but just non-motorized, um, nothing motorized. Um, and while they're coming up here, I think they're going to come talk with us a little bit for here, for a while here. Um, the bison are an experiment to see if their grazing pattern is helping bring back native species. So, uh, How much time do we have, Randall, there? Just a minute. Okay. Little, uh, I wanted to get very quickly back uh, to Lynn, though, uh, and talk about the Waponzi uh, Glacial Trail? Yes, uh, right. Uh, what exactly is that? So the Waponzi Glacial Trail is a trail that the district owns and manages. It's 23 miles. It stretches from Joliet, Illinois, all the way down to the Kankakee River. And it used to be old uh, railroad bed, right? It was actually two railroad lines. One ran from Joliet to Manhattan, and the second, I believe it was the Wabash, was from Manhattan into Custer Park. And can folks, they can walk it? Uh, can they ride it? Uh, uh, the trail, so from Laraway Road north into Joliet, there's three miles that are paved, so it's excellent for bicycling, walking. But from Laraway Road in Joliet south all the way to Kankakee, uh, it's also open to equestrian riders. Excellent. So uh, if folks want to get involved with what's going on in uh, Will County uh, and uh, Medewin and all the other outdoor activities you're doing, where do they go? 
uh, they can go to our website, reconnectwithnature.org, and we have all of our programs and activities listed on there. We offer a, over 300 programs annually throughout wow. the county. So there's lots of fun yeah. things for people to do and get out and enjoy. Uh, most of them are guided programs, anywhere from bicycle rides down the trail to kayaking programs. Well, fishing programs. Fantastic. Lynn Kershevsky, thank you so much. The Director of Visitor Service for Forest Preserve District of Will County. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on the Prairie. We'll be back. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup son of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music. Boy. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are on location live. Well, that was a lousy ding. There we go. That's a better one. Uh, at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie, uh, just outside of Joliet near Wilmington, Illinois. And I think we, I, I don't know because I can't hear what uh, Peggy's doing there. But, I, oh, give me the shot of that. Here's, uh, oh, look at that. Peggy is with the horses. There she is. She's up at the top of the hill. Peggy, make sure you're not, oh, they'll look at that. Uh, don't get trampled up there, okay? Be careful. Be very careful. And we have a couple people who are sitting next to me. Peggy's going to continue to uh, run the camera up there from on top of the hill. But I want to talk to the two women who are next to me, and they are Andrea Pletsky and Donna Malanka. Um, Andrea is vice president of the Will County Trail Riders, and that's who we – yes. Look at – we got butterflies mating behind us. You got – or fighting. Uh, oh, here comes a, a horse down the trail. This is – one's blue, one's yellow. Never seen anything like that. Wow. And look at Pe – <laughs> nice shot there, Peggy. Uh, Peggy's coming down with one of the trail riders. Hey, you guys, uh, get over to those mics. Tell me about uh, the Will County Trail Riders. Well, the Will County Trail Riders were formed in uh, 1983, and we're an advocacy group, and uh, we are more or less a trail, what would you call us? We're trail advocacy groups. We uh, try to open new trails in Will County. We support Medewin. We uh, try to do on, uh, work on volunteer days and uh, anything relative to the trails and so that we can ride and enjoy the trails with uh, all the other share use users. Who's that on the horse uh, right there? That's Trish. That's Trish? Yeah. And what's the horse's name? Boomer. Boomer? Yeah. Okay. And Boomer's right just off camera. You can't tell because Peggy's setting it up back on the table. Yeah, there you go, Peggy. There's Boomer right there where we are here. Uh, not, You know, we got butterflies fighting behind us and horses. Boomer's right here on the trail, and we got the trail riders. Is it a tough to find places for people to take horses these days? You know what? I think we're better off than the farm community even that have to ride down the road because we've got something like Medewin with all these trails. It was 21 miles of trails here for us to use. Uh -huh. And we also can go to other places. Cook County has uh, beautiful riding trails. And uh, what is Des Plaines? That's uh, Will County, too. Uh, Over there. Des Plaines is a state. State Forest Preserve. Okay. Forest so with the combination of the federal, the state, and... Uh, 
the local municipalities, we uh, we do have a nice variety of trails. To are, use. The, are, are the laws, and you might not know this, but let me ask you anyway, are the laws more restrictive in Illinois than they might be in other places of the country, do you know? I mean, obviously, if you, I imagine if you go out to Montana, you don't have the same uh, issues that you do in Illinois. Well, I think that uh, one of the, if you're looking for something different, like, uh, Cook County, we have to have a tag. Well, we don't have to have a tag to ride out here. Ah, we just okay. have to stay on the trail, and that's why we kind of moved back. That's through. why you're called trail riders, that's right? A, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not going to be on, on the freeway out there. Oh, look at that. Uh, boomers have... Um, uh, potty. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a shame we don't have the camera on that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what activities do you have coming up? We have just a couple minutes here. You know what, uh, Madewa is going to be coming in and talking to our group in January. We have uh, several trail rides to do yet. We go to organize trail rides and we set a time and we all go there. We have clinics and speakers, parties. <laughs> Parties? parties, yeah. Parties help keep uh, but the, the membership. But the, yeah. horse, the keeps them happy. The horses yeah. don't get involved in in the parties, unfortunately, do they? No, not in the parties, but the <laughs> clinics they do. <laughs> what kind of clinics? Say if you have, uh, you could have a saddle fitting clinic, and so ah, people would sign up to bring their horse and see if their saddles fitting correctly. It's like your shoes. Make sure your shoes uh -huh. fit good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and horseshoes too. What's what's? Oh, did you see? Boomer has on. Uh, he actually has on. Boots. Come here, Trish. Show him the boots. All right. <laughs> See the black things on his feet? Oh, my goodness. Wow. So he's out here, and when he steps what? on rocks, he doesn't feel them then. I didn't know there was such a thing. Oh, they have glue-ons, too. All right. I think Peggy's running to get the camera. She wants to get a shot before we go to the break there so we can get a shot of Boomer's boots. See, I... <laughs> uh, but do... do <laughs> Do the other horse, other horses have shoes, or do some of them have metal uh, nail-on shoes? Uh -huh. Some of them are barefoot, and this is kind of we, when she gets home, she takes these off, and he can uh, still enjoy running around without any shoes on. I guess you'd call it. His feet don't aren't restricted. Okay. Yeah. See, I, it's very good I, for him. I, I'll be really honest. I know nothing about horses. Okay. Do you want to ride one? <sighs> I have to think about that. I'll, I'll think about it, and I'll get back to you. How's that? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I had an experience with a horse when I was very young. You know, they always say you got to get back on the horse. Yeah. I'm literally the poster boy for that, okay? So maybe we should. Maybe I should come out. I actually think I'd have fun why on a horse. Why are you kind of leery because you fell off? Just a little bit, yeah. Did Just, you fall off? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, there you go. Uh, but I, you know what? I bet you could get me back uh, in the saddle. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's Lynn, right up there. Lynn Pletsky and Donna Malanka from uh, Will County Trail Riders. Go to willcountytrailriders.com for more information. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're in the prairie live this morning. We'll be back with more in just a second. You see, I didn't. I just figured this was going to be appropriate music for today. Uh, so uh, yeah. Um, and and if, and if you don't know, that's the bonanza. Oh, play it, play it out, Randall, all the way. <laughs> and there go the trail riders. There we go. <laughs> I just had. I don't know for some reason. Last night I'm thinking. 
Yeah, let's play the Bonanza theme. That, that would be excellent. All right, we have some more folks. We're, oh, by the way, if you're just tuning into the show, we've been all morning, we've been live at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie and just having a great time. Um, I think we got all the tech issues kind of straightened out. If you were or watching earlier on Facebook Live, we had uh, the Will County Trail Riders, and we were debating during, and those of you listening on Facebook heard this. Those of you listening on the air did not debating whether they should get me on a horse <laughs> and I'm I was able to say hey you know what I don't know if the tech could hold up to that so I, I'm not on a horse here at the moment because we figure it's fragile enough as it is us staying on the air right now so uh, maybe uh, soon we'll we'll get on a horse so you guys need oh we're missing oh you've got it right look at oh, that so aren't you is. good She's okay ready. why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves uh, starting with you and then we'll go that way well, uh, my name is Allison Cisneros. I work for the Nature Conservancy in a partnership with the Forest Service here to coordinate the volunteer program with. I'm Catherine Gorman. Um, I'm also a volunteer coordinator here. I deal primarily with the public services and all the data management behind the scenes. Um, and I am fortunate to work with Allison. So you're also with the Nature Conservancy. I am, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we get the uh, pleasure. Oh, he has with, his he has his own mic wonderful there. Wonderful volunteers like. My name is Frank Ibera, and I'm a volunteer here at Medewin. I'm an interpretive ranger and a bird monitor here at Medewin. Wow! So here we are. Yes. Well, so as I mentioned, the uh, Medewin's volunteer program is coordinated by the Nature Conservancy. We're in a special uh, partnership with the Forest Service here, mm -hmm. and we also uh, are really reliant upon what makes that uh, happen even easier is a, a million-dollar donation from Centerpoint Intermodal, which is a corporate neighbor <laughs> up the road here. Um, they, the Nature Conservancy is managing a million dollar donation in an endowment wow. fund, so it makes it easy now for volunteers mm -hmm. to not only contribute their time, but also financial support as well. Excellent. You know, uh, at the end of the day, Veronica, we're going to go to Veronica and say, which of the sponsors did not get mentioned on the show today? And we're just going to list them all because we, we have some other folks that we want to make sure we mention, but the Nature Conservancy is, is just a wonderful organization. Um, and I would imagine, uh, and maybe the uh, the actual folks who work for the Forest Service could speak to this, but I'm sure you guys can. This place can't operate unless you have volunteers, right? That's right. The volunteer program uh, provides a huge momentum uh, towards Medewin's mission to move it forward. Uh, volunteers are involved with uh, almost everything they possibly can be mm -hmm. uh, mission-related here at uh, Medewin, so that's... Um, you know, Catherine primarily is coordinating the archaeology program and everything Ooh. visitor services, including youth education. Um, you know, Frank is representing, you know, he's, uh, he runs a lot of the interpretive programs here and also is a bird monitor. Um, and then I am specifically coordinating all things prairie restoration okay. and uh, ecological monitoring. Like, you know, we have, how do we know it's working? How do we know the prairie restorations mm -hmm. are quality and diverse? We have volunteers out here monitoring you know, plants and uh, rare plants and floristic quality of plants and birds and butterflies and frogs and water quality, you know, of the streams. So all that data gets reported um, in order for us to kind of, you know, look at the management here and see if we have to change things as we go along. So we're talking about citizen science, yes. aren't we? Yes. And we talk about that a lot on the show and how important citizen science is. And 
when you talk volunteers, I'm sure a lot of folks say, hey, that'd be fun. I'm going to go out and watch birds and I'm going to, you know, I'll dig something in the ground. But it also involves reports, doesn't it? And it involves uh, recording the, the observations you make. Yes, it, it definitely does involve data collection. Um, so like our bird monitors, like Frank Ibera, they get the enjoyment of going out into um, Medeoans natural areas and seeing all the birds that they can see, but they do have what they see mm -hmm. and then submit it to us and then we process it all together. Actually, a lot of that data is available on our website if people are interested in seeing oh, And the website oh. is? fs.usda.gov forward slash Medeoans. Oh, okay. That would be Medeoans' website, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. where we have a lot of volunteer information, too. And then the Nature Conservancy, you can read more about them on nature.org. And what, what trends are you seeing in the last few years of data collection, especially with the birds? So, well, the, there's a lot of different birds that, um, that people are monitoring. I mean, there's about 120 different mm -hmm. species, okay? And then even more when you're considering the migratory populations. So we have different types of ways that uh, volunteers are collecting that, and staff and local professionals. Some of them are point counts where they're, you mm -hmm. know, listening um, and documenting everything that they hear or see within 100 meters. Right. And then we have volunteers doing a lot of supplemental data. So what we're seeing is that we are certainly having more bird populations supported here with the diversity and the open, uh, more unfragmented areas than you would see, you know, that would be fragmented by roads and infrastructure and things like that. So uh, we're pretty happy with um, seeing that data. Bird data in general, we have some of the longest trends that we've seen because we've been monitoring birds here even before Madea when it was established. And Frank can maybe speak yeah. to some of those yeah. fun species he gets to pull, see. Pull, yeah, pull that microphone a little closer to you, Frank. Sure. Um, what I enjoy seeing a, uh, a shrike every uh, now and again, which wow. is a butcher bird. And what they do is they do their killing by shaking the bird vigorously and then and then putting it on a barbed wire hook for later consumption. What? Yes. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, it is, uh, yeah. If you if you like blood and gore, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, so, what kind of birds do they go after? Well, they go after small rodents. Oh, and rodents. Also oh, okay. Birds. I'm sorry. I thought I, snakes. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the the beauty of nature can be seen in its uh, brutal uh, facts. However, it's part of what we do around here is uh, seeing uh, what it is that the birds are are doing, uh, any trends they have and how we can translate that to the visitors because a lot of folks don't have the time to do a lot of the research that we can do or some uh, further reading. So the more that we can give our visitors thumbnail sketches of behavior and habitat, the better it is for them. It makes their stay here that much more enjoyable. So walk me through uh, uh, a, a quick morning here that you, you come to do some observation. How does that start and, and, and what are you looking, I mean, are you, are you going to the barbed wire and looking for uh, the, the remnants of a butcher bird up there? You know something, that is one way to see if, there, if any of those have been around. However, what we do is when we get here is we try and locate where the bison are at. So when the vi visitors come here, we could direct them in the right uh, way. 
yes. He's talking about his ranger responsibility now, not bird monitoring. Okay, all right. Yeah, I was asking you about the bird monitoring, but uh, but you're do are you doing all of those tasks at once? Yes, you can. Well, a bird monitor uh, setting is is a prescribed time and date that you go. However, in our role as interpretive rangers, as we're walking to the overlooks and different places, we can see what birds are becoming abundant, what they're Mm -hmm. doing. Uh, A few weeks ago, we saw some uh, bobolinks that were all on the ground wow. and we were able to see see those and show our visitors uh, where they were at and uh, they were quite thrilled at that opportunity. Uh, the bobolinks are a bird in decline, aren't they? Or are they? they we see they quite a few of them here. Uh, so yeah, when here. they don't have their I, specific habitat. I, I, I remember yeah. uh, uh, covering a, a film about songbirds uh, called The Messenger several years ago that came out. I don't, I don't know if you saw it, but as, if I recall correctly, bobolink is, is one of the birds that's in decline. Now, you obviously see a lot of them here, but the, they're not seen elsewhere. Those are, that bobolinks are definitely a bird that we follow as like some of these indicator species that we're looking at, like henslow sparrows and grasshopper sparrows, mm-hmm. bobolinks, dick thistles. Um, so not just the shrike. We actually have a um, Dr. Amy Shabbat that comes and does specifically loggerhead shrike research but a lot of these other birds that we're seeing um you know they they appreciate the wide wider open spaces you know some mm-hmm. birds maybe even just a pair of them need like a hundred acres yeah. so to have the unfragmented more open space is really helpful it's really great to have volunteers documenting that what about eagles there are actually eagles nesting on Medewin, so that's and that's that, a recent development isn't it yeah, yeah they've been here you know here and there they pick their nest locations um you know we had a nest fall and then they rebuild it so people do mm-hmm. see that another really important um monitoring that we do at Medewin is the floristic quality monitoring because we are doing so much prairie restoration um it actually takes volunteers to be well trained to you know be able to identify you know over 150 different species of plants in order to know how that's working too. Uh, that's by the way, Allison Cisneros, uh, Medewin project manager for the Nature Conservancy. Uh, Catherine Gorman is next to her, assistant volunteer coordinator for the Nature Conservancy. Frank Ibera is on the end and. Again, what's your uh, exact description? What is it you do, Frank? You're... What doesn't he do? Oh, oh okay. yay! Okay. I'm an interpretive ranger here at Medewin. Also help out with the uh, with the youth youth education programs that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, uh, event <laughs> setup uh, on the kitchen crew when we have a large um, volunteer. Uh, on the grill team, uh, anything a that bit of the everything. needs, um, I don't mind no. doing. Uh, the volunteer staff. And the staff are just fantastic. Uh, anything you need at the level that you want to participate in, they will make it happen for you. Good bunch of people and a beautiful setting. Can't ask for more than that. Well, we've got another question coming in on Facebook asking about bee and insect monitoring. Ah, good doing. question. Let me take that. Um, we have recently had um, a team of researchers come out and do some bee monitoring, so a mm-hmm. uh, little premature to speak about some of their findings, um, but that will continue. We're considering, you know, in, uh, training some of our volunteers to uh, be able to identify bumblebees. Um, insect monitoring, we have someone out here monitoring moths specifically um, and also um, singing insects. So yeah, some of that is going on too. Uh, which of the singing insects do you do you uh, monitor and like to hear? Um, well, we are constantly hearing lots of different types of um, you know crickets, grasshoppers, katydids. You know, one of the things I have to admit is that uh, yesterday when we were coming out here, um, I saw crickets hopping everywhere. Yeah. 
in the city, you don't see crickets. You hear them, mm. but you do not see them. They're they're smart. They they stay out of sight. But here, there's <laughs> I had one on the table this morning. Yeah, we might have. Well, yeah. we had you know fighting well, I, I fighting butterflies back here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but oh, well, yeah, butterflies being insects, we do have mm-hmm. you know volunteers monitoring butterflies too. Yeah. So, um, and then you know Catherine, uh, she's kind of a different set of programs. It's really fascinating around here because you've been talking about the fascinating history of land use. Um, we do have volunteers working on archaeological excavations and surveys, doing a lot mm-hmm. of that research, and um, and then she monitors a lot, or she uh, coordinates a lot of the visitor services too okay. to be able to interpret that information that we're finding. Uh, it, this is just great stuff. Um, the fact that uh, you can go out here so close to Chicago, um, I was thinking about that as I as I'm driving down here, uh, and even just up the road, there's a refinery. And uh, and then suddenly you're over the river and then you're here and, and you look out on this expanse. You think this. How lucky are you to be able to to do this uh, every day as as a job or a volunteer or however you participate at Medewin? It must be inspiring. I think all of us would very easily agree that um, it's not always easy, but it's super rewarding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kathy, uh, uh, Catherine, rather, care to weigh in? I, I'm sorry I called you Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I bet it happens from time to time, it, doesn't it? It does happen, but uh, um, I think you're right in that uh, this is kind of a dream job for all of us, whether mm-hmm. we're, we're do- donating our time or, or whether we get paid to do it, or lucky enough to get paid to do it. and. The people here are so great. The Forest Service staff are very dedicated, and um, they enjoy, I think Frank will agree with this, they enjoy sharing their knowledge and their, their time, and they appreciate the volunteers coming and helping. Mm-hmm. We, we're actually just wrapping up our um, Mighty Acorn season, so that's where we have visiting schools. Okay. Um, they bring classes of middle school children, and our youth educators... From where, generally? Um, local towns. Yeah. So we have... Um, Stevens School, Hufford, Cunningham, and St. Rose. Um, you Rose really is actually here in, Mil- in Wilmington. You really need to get some of those Chicago schools here. If, I know it's a it's a hall, but I got a feeling a lot of those kids have never seen anything like this in their lives. We do you actually. Um, uh, there are initiatives here to um, bring, you know, some urban youth, and they're actually uh, paid on summer crews here. So uh, we do get, you know, to pay have, is good. Yeah, yeah, they appreciate that too, and so they get the wonderful experience. Yeah. It's usually heartwarming to hear from them by the end. We got just a couple of minutes here. Um, uh, anybody wants to weigh in? Maybe start with Frank. Uh, tell me about uh, 2018. What did you see this year? What was it that was interesting? I know we had wet spring. We had uh, warmer than usual summer. Um, what struck you in terms of uh, the uh, uh, fauna that you observed this uh, season? What um, I can quickly note is that uh, the sense of ownership that our visitors have when they come to Medewin. They're interested mm-hmm. in the bison, in the flowers, in the butterflies, in the insects, and what we do here. It's almost uh, tangible to see how they're invested in what we do here, and they're just happy to be away from wherever they're coming from and to see what we have to offer. Did very, you see very magical. Any, all right, that's the people. Did you see any uh, uh, birds or insects that you did not expect to see this year? You know, there was an influx of um, monarch uh, butterflies. Yeah, you guys had that last week. We didn't even talk about that. I was hoping they would be here today. They're gone, yeah, of course. Um, that, um, that was a, a big draw over the last couple of weeks. and. That was they were, a surprise. They were roosting here, yeah. uh, weren't they? 
Yes. Yeah. How yeah. you know they were even in Chicago and then they kind of moved south. They got here and I I'm following them. I'm never going to catch up. But uh, <laughs> all right, listen. I want to thank you guys for being here. Allison Cisneros, uh, Catherine Gorman, Frank Ibera. Thank you for the great work you're doing here at Medellin National Tallgrass Prairie. And thank you for being on the show, agreeing to come up with us on a Sunday morning. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got more coming up. Stick around. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And yes, we're out in the country. Isn't that a great place to be on a Sunday morning? It's been uh, almost perfect here at uh, Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie, where we're sitting out in the prairie next to a bunker left over from World War II. And our next guest uh, is sitting next to us who has survived his tech uh, malfunction. There's a cricket right next <laughs> right to you. There. Right on the, uh, look at that. We need cricket cam here. We, <laughs> you got the cricket there? There's the cricket. Come on. Come on. There you go. All right. Well, the camera's there. I don't know if you can see it. They're probably, you might be able to. Who I don't knows? know. He's awfully big. <laughs> that, yeah, you should <laughs> be able to see that cricket. I don't know. I, can, I don't know. There the are crickets everywhere here. So, uh, and uh, that guy oh, next. There's a cricket have. on my computer. On your computer. <laughs> uh, that guy is Kelsey Shaw from Possibility Place Nursery in Moni, which is just down the road uh, a piece here. About, yeah, about 20 minutes, 25 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. 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 And, uh uh, Kelsey's been on the show before, and and his dad Connor Shaw, um, the crankiest man in horticulture. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> not not quite wrong. Yeah, I love I love Connor. Because if you call him a horticulturalist, he will get upset. But yeah, he's, well, he's why? A, what does he want to be a called? Nurseryman. Ah, okay. <laughs> nurseryman. Okay. Uh, and uh, Kelsey uh, and Connor and the great and and all your family are. Uh, uh, Tell 40 me, years. what? We've been doing it 40 years now. 40 years. Yeah, 40 years wow. this fall. Selling native plants yep. and focusing on trees and shrubs, right? Yeah, uh, mostly. My brother and I started growing the perennial into the business uh, in like 85. We just started collecting and growing things and people mm-hmm. bought them. That's how we earned our toy money. Okay. So, <laughs> so what I want you to do is. do a, Give me five IDs around us here. You mean for, you want natives? Yeah, yeah. What okay, natives none. do? None. No, so th- not a single woody native that I can see in front of me. Okay, and which is really interesting, and that's part of the restoration process here, right? I it, would hope so. Yeah, yes. Uh, because you have to, especially you know near the bunker here. I'm sure this is the, the yeah, priority is. Yeah, well, yeah, is, you want to kind of bring back a little bit of the native woody woody cover, especially in the shrubs, but. Uh, the ones I'm seeing in front of me, you've got like Ugly Agnes, uh, the, um, the uh, autumn uh, olive, you've got Lanistra, yeah. you've got... Uh, so those are all autumn olives on top no, of the bunker? No, the ones or? on top of the bunker. That's uh, looks like one, maybe two kinds of of the non-native Lanistra. Okay. And then the uh, Morris over there, which is the white mulberry. You know, mm-hmm. These are none of the ones you really want because right. of the down system pollution that they add to systems like this for restoration mm-hmm. yeah and the autumn olive just takes over eventually. well it was a it was a 
unfortunately, the Illinois Department of Transportation back in the day liked to use it along freeways because it grew everywhere and yeah. it helped. You know, and for, it actually looks nice because it's got the silver leaves, and people go, "Oh yeah, doesn't well, I that?" Well, I mean, I look nice. I, well, it's a, you're yeah, right. It's a. What is that? What no. is It fills <laughs> in quickly. It fills a space. Yeah. You know? Well, a lot of these <laughs> yeah. plants that have taken over and become invasive were, you always see it in the books. Erosion control. Yeah. We brought it in for. Well, why didn't you? Why wouldn't you use a native for well, erosion? I, I think that that mostly had had to do with the the unavailability in the trade, uh, and the belief that not the native species that were there wouldn't survive on native soil. Uh, on, well, not, not just <laughs> native soil, but like surrounded they, by they, native flora they, and fauna. They, they, this is a constructed site. We have to, we have to, we can manage this. And, and, and it was a, yes. it was a mantra in the fifties, mm. sixties and seventies. And not, not just then. I mean, some, cause some of these were brought in, in the 1800s and the early 1900s. Oh. I mean, some of the most pernicious weeds we have now were brought in by the nurseries, oh, yeah. by the, by the uh, horticultural <laughs> industry. Street. Yeah, he's pointing to himself. I didn't do it. No, he wasn't him. He didn't do it. Wasn't. I know. I'm not. I'm not blaming you guys because what you guys do is you're trying to reverse that trend. Um, There's yeah, us and and a kind of select small group of growers have really gone over to um, you know promoting native material. Either through working with forest preserve districts and realizing that's where the market is for us because there is a demand for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, also with homeowners, there is uh, some buzz to it. People are are looking to uh, diversify their palate and mm-hmm. put native things back in their yard because they want it to be they they believe it's less maintenance and it is over time, but uh, they're they're looking for better options. Well, they yeah. also want to host native species, uh, yes. the, the the you know the insects and the birds. And the mammals, uh, and one of the things we've learned over the years, and again, I'll bring up Doug Tallamy, who's who made that popular, that movement popular, said the reason, you know, and I used to think the reason you grow natives is because once they're established, they're easier. Uh, and, and Doug Tallamy uh, from the University of Delaware was the person who said, well, yeah, true, but you also need that to support native insect populations and bird populations and all those and he's and he brought that to the forefront and now a lot of people think that way yeah a lot, a lot of people do um but they also don't the the biggest obstacle that we've had um taking this to the public is is that the the information uh, about particular species can be Difficult mm-hmm. because the cultural information needed from you, the buyer, to actually get the right plants into your yard, uh, it, that that language isn't there for most people. And what do you mean that language is okay? There? Um, people when they go to buy a tree, they look at they like this particular one, they like that tree, and when they go to buy it, they are like that's the one I want, and then they describe their yard to me, and it's like no, no, no. You don't want that one. Yeah, you need that's not this work. one. Yeah. yeah, you know that's a swamp plant. You have sand. It's not going to work. But then there's a lot of cultural things that kind of go into it for the buyer. Mm-hmm. And when they're like, "Hey, my grandmother had that in her yard, but she lived in Louisiana, and you live in the Indiana Dunes, just by example." Yeah. It's like yeah. not the same place. You know, you're very very wet, and then all of a sudden you're very very dry. 
So you need to under, well, and it's the same thing that happens in nurseries when people walk in and say, I want that because I like what's in bloom. And you need to say, well, what's your yard look yeah. like? They just, they're it's, it's a, impulse buying. Yeah, they're impulse yeah. buying. And, they, and, and a lot of people put nature in a box. And they look at it as a piece of furniture rather than a living organism in their yard. Speaking of a box, oh. we, how about <laughs> <Yes>. that? <laughs> we, right. have, we have a box. We, we have, have a we, box. We're going to give away something right now for as a, a as a reward to all you people who've been listening to the show for two hours and dealing with the some of the technical issues. Uh, you get a chance. What is it that you, we're uh, going to give away, Kelsey? I brought in. I, I it was a bit of far of a walk, and they're kind of heavy, <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't it's carry not it all here. It's here. not right it's not here. here. It's in my car right now, okay. half a mile from here. Um, it is a. Uh, we we offer uh, native plants in one gallon sizes through the mail uh, on our on our website from our nursery. Uh, all collected from local seed, mm-hmm. and we will uh, in a box. There's four one gallon uh, burr oak. Uh, young plants mm-hmm. that we will, you know, happily mail to the person who can answer the question. And the question is the question, drum roll, please. Oh, yes, no, I don't do drum roll. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, you had it before. I had it before. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 whoever can tell uh, tell us the name of the genus, not not the common name, the genus of the the group of you're, you're getting there. You know, I had it. This is a slow train. We'll get we'll, we'll, we'll the phone. Slow okay. Train. So so call us again. at eight seven 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 one one five six one one to answer what speed what genus hosts the most lepidoptera, so butterflies and moths, and that's caterpillars, not you know not nectar plants. Right. What genus hosts the most uh, lepidoptera? So butterflies so the, and moths. The, the larval form. The larval mm-hmm. form of the lepidoptera. And I know we're being kind of technical here, but this is a great gift. Uh, so you, yeah, it's it's a, it's uh, it's uh, yeah. This it's and the first answer who gets it right at eight seven 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 eleven fifty six eleven. What's the genus? And the big hint, it's not milkweed. So okay. no Asclepius. Nope. Real, right. Okay. All right. And it's a phone call answer. Yes, you have to not do the phone because we can't deal with it right now. All right. Uh, you <laughs> mentioned, too far out. But you also mentioned you're collecting seed, and that's what you guys do. Yes. Talk real quickly about where you collect seed and why you do it in what kind of a radius. It's like a 100 or 150-mile yeah, radius. For, um, we like to collect seed from uh, in the east, south bend, to the west, uh, the Quad Cities, north to Madison, south to Champaign. And you believe that a native plant is truly native to a region like that? Yeah, that's, and that's and small an area. That that's small an area actually, and it can be very, it can be much smaller depending yeah. upon upon the genus that we're actually talking about, and then the varieties of a particular species. But we collect in that area one because the the, the when you go further, you start running into geographic. Uh, what zonal problems so it's like when you start getting much further into the state a lot of plants aren't hardy up here yet mm-hmm. and i say yet because i don't know what the future holds but, but, but i would yeah. imagine that a plant that's hardy in central illinois where it's at the s- southern end of your region mm-hmm. is not necessarily hardy in madison wisconsin not at the northern certain species yeah sure but mm-hmm. generally speaking um the, some species peter out like pawpaw for example a semina trilova yeah. you know that peters out uh, probably in 
St. Charles area really? on the west side. So it doesn't want to go. What about Redbud? I what, I keep hearing uh, varying things about Redbud and that you should uh, get it locally grown. Oh, so, definitely. Some people uh, in the industry call it dead bud because if, that's what it does. If it comes in from uh, and, it, and it matters, soil type matters as well. So when you're collecting from certain regions and you put it into the heavy clay of Illinois, it, it's it doesn't do what it. What does it want? It, it, it likes high canopy shade, mm-hmm. one. It's an understory plant, so don't plant it in the middle of your yard. Okay? Okay. And um, whatever you do, um, <laughs> make sure that it, it goes into a bed. Not Don't bullseye it in the middle of like of a gra- of grass. It doesn't like the root competition. Okay. Uh, we, we, we haven't answered the question, by answer? the way. Yes. Uh, we have a caller. Fantastic. Are we going to put the caller on here? Okay. Hi, caller. What's the caller's name? <laughs> Francis. Hello. Or Fran. Call me Fran. Call Hi. me Fran. Hi, Fran. How are you? Uh, and what's the answer to the uh, question? Kirkus uh, or the oak gene. The oak Oh, you got Woo-hoo! it. Kirkus, we got a winner. You got it. All right, you're going to get the package. Make sure that Randall gets your uh, yeah, address yeah, and we information. Need, uh, we need a mailing address, and this will go in the mail Monday. Um, I, so I will, I will need the uh, that, all that, that information. information. Hang on just a second. We'll be back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Rick DeBio coming up. Very apropos. That's why I that's why I put it into the rotation. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Yes, uh, wake me up when September ends, which it will be in about eight, uh, twelve hours. In a few hours. Yeah, just a few hours. Uh, we're live at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie. This is our uh, final segment, and boy, I just wanted to. Okay, real quick, Veronica, who did we miss? Did we were going to one of the people we needed to talk about was. The, and and I remember this because she sort of pounded this N- into NFF, my the national the National Forest Foundation, right? Uh, if you want to just hop on that mic, there. just just sit down there, Veronica, because uh, we needed to make sure that they got mentioned. And if there's anybody else we missed, we have one last segment when we bring in our meteorologist. And I think Rick your mic's off. Okay. Uh, the mic is uh, yeah. If click it on, there we go. Okay, the mic's on. It's on. So we work very closely with the National Forest Foundation. Mm-hmm. They were instrumental in bringing the bison to Medewin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were also instrumental in the bison cam. We probably we really didn't mention bison cam. Yeah, and and how the public people... is notified of when the bison are visible on the webcam, on Facebook and Twitter, and the webcam is. On the homepage of the Medewin Well, website. actually, all you need to know is go to MikeNovak.net. I've got the link to Bison Cam on this week's blog. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, Thanks so, for doing so, that. Oh, sure. So those are just a couple of many examples. I know we're running out of time soon here, but wanted to highlight those really special ways we connect with the National Forest Foundation, and we work with them on a regular basis. One of the things that you talked about earlier, uh, the, the Medewin's new spring project on the west side, Everything you covered regarding that, 
you can just tag on National Forest Foundation <laughs> to that. They're heavily involved as well, and it would not be happening without them. So. Well, we appreciate Huge that. That's Veronica Hinkey, Public Affairs Officer and Public Services Team Leader for Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie. Thanks again for setting this up. You've, you've been she gets fantastic. a ding. Big ding. Two dings. <laughs> All right. She gets both. Uh, Kelsey Shaw is still here. I, I assume we have Rick DeMaio on the line. Okay, let's bring it in. I'm, I'm listening to you guys. It's great. Hey, Rick, we got to tell you, though, uh, I'm sitting here watching. Oh, it's a monarch. That is a monarch. Monarch, yeah. you better start going south, dude. You are. <laughs> no, it'll be nice around here the yeah. next few days. Yeah, What's that? He's got, it'll be really, that, that really nice around the next few days. As a matter of fact, you guys are sitting right now uh, in the warm sector. You're south of the warm front. It's like close to 70 degrees down there, and I'm in the mid-upper 50s here along the lakefront. Oh, okay, so that's what happened. That's what I thought because we were looking at the radar. I was looking last night. We had a little bit of rain here, not much. Uh, and then we right. thought, what's going to happen tomorrow? And then when we woke up, the skies were completely blue. It was just beautiful down here. Now yeah. it's clouding yeah. over, yeah. but it's actually perfect. It is. It feels like it's 72 right here. I mean, I it's, don't know what the temperature it's, is. It's, it's 71 at the uh, ASOS, which stands for Automated, uh, automated Surface Observation System, right there at Tallgrass. But I have to ask, guys, how, how tall is the grass at Tallgrass? <laughs> Okay, dude. And we uh, have someone wondering why you haven't come in on a horse or a bison. Either. Yeah, we wanted you to ride in on a bison there, Rick. I could come in on my bike, but maybe not a bike. <laughs> then. Um, uh, but, you know, that, that area is, is not too far away from where I teach, obviously, at Lewis. And I've, I've been through there many yeah. times, and it's absolutely beautiful this time of the year. Uh, and, unfortunately, the weather really hasn't cooperated the last couple of days. It's been kind of on the cloudy, cool side. And even though it's a little bit warmer today, it's a little bit wet out to the west. But I guarantee you, by tomorrow afternoon and even on uh, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I think as glum as the forecast looks, we got a couple of really nice late summer, early fall days coming at us, and I hope people enjoy them as much as they possibly can. Yeah, well, we're enjoying it today. We were just, uh, you know, because when you wrote back to me the other day and said, uh, uh, watch out for the rain, I wasn't sure, and uh, it has just been the most gorgeous morning here, and uh, we're very pleased that we were able to be outside. Yeah, I, I think my comment was just make sure you're waterproof because these types of, type of events where you got the where the warm front is basically right over the top of you and the wind is basically out of the west, you can get a shower or an early morning, you know, rumble of thunder pop up at any time. It's really tough to forecast, and we will get a little bit of rain uh, probably within the next hour or two, and then it looks like it all shifts to the north of us tonight as the warm front pushes in that direction. So probably low to mid 70s where you are today probably mid 70s tomorrow and i wouldn't be surprised after a dry day on tuesday when the warm front comes back north again uh we may actually be in the mid 80s on wednesday and believe it or not guys this is all part of the remnants of what was at one point category four hurricane rosa which is now moving into the baja california and southern uh, southwest united states area Oh my goodness! Okay, so yeah, yeah. it's it's so interesting yeah. to have uh, the the western hurricane come our way, eh? Yeah, 
and, and, and as we speak, there's a Category 1, and I mean Category 1, uh, typhoon moving through Japan. Uh, this is the second one that they've had now in the last month and a half. I'm just looking at reports from Tokyo and from the Nagoya area, and they're already gusting well over 85 to 90 miles an hour. And usually when you start to get really active, and Mike and Peg, we talked about this before, when you get really active in, like, late September, early October across Japan up into the North Pacific, usually when those storms kind of come across the Alaskan Aleutian areas and they move into western sections of Canada, that means very, very sharp temperature contrast develop. And sometimes that can mean either a rapid warm-up or extreme rapid cool-down for the northern plains beginning in about 10 to 15 days. So we'll see how that all pans out. Oh, okay. So you're, you're, you're thinking ahead that uh, we might be in for some interesting weather in the next few weeks. Oh, without a doubt. In fact, the temperature contrast literally lines itself up from about Oklahoma to about northern Michigan. So we're going to be in between several swings of 55 to 60 degree weather to 75 to 80 degree weather. And finally, it looks like we may get some decent rain because it's been dry around here for the last three weeks. Um, and one of the reasons why we actually got down into the low to mid-30s the other night in some outlying areas was because the ground has been fairly dry. So repeat after me, mosquitoes, rest in peace. Uh, oh, good. I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. Hi, mosquitoes. Oh, that, that's, you mean, you mean even no, 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 in the warm-up? No, 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 hey, hey, not, not by mosquitoes. Rest in peace. Oh, well, but, but I, I have to ask, I mean, uh, in those areas they're gone, but in other areas they're probably still around, right? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Mike. I, I think we've already seen um, that there has been an explosion of mosquitoes whenever we get really warm, and that could easily still happen to areas down to the south, but uh, I think we okay. all know that about two or three weeks ago, they were about as bad as we've ever seen in the last couple of nights where it got pretty chilly. They've kind of taken the rest of the season off, and hopefully that'll be the case for the next uh, two or three weeks. That sounds great. Well, Rick, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and uh, I think you already gave us that forecast. So uh, uh, I certainly uh, did. I knew we were short on time. <laughs> All right. And I appreciate it. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Have a great day. All right. Take care. I know we're going to uh, wrap up here. Uh, Kelsey, I wanted to make sure that uh, one more time we got to mention that uh, – uh, the website of possibility oh, possibilityplace.com yeah. possibilityplace.com if you want to get trees and shrubs perennials for next year uh, mm. we've cut, we've kind of stopped uh, perennial production for the year as far as sending them out because the ground temperatures are too low for them to to really get good root penetration so they, otherwise it'll freeze and heave them right out well, you have one more of those packets here's what we're going to oh, do yeah. we're going to give it away next week perfect we're going to figure out a, a contest question we'll give away another one of those oak uh, package packages uh, for uh, a lucky listener. So thank you for being here. I want to thank everybody at the uh, the Forest Service here and Medewa National Tallgrass Perry. Man, was this fun! And you guys are all great. Thank you for the great work you're doing here. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler. Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.